0: Hello and welcome back to Life in a Backpack, a podcast where we discuss living out of a backpack either as a minimalist, digital nomad, or just as a traveler. Today we're going to talk about apps on your phone, specifically 10 different apps that are convenient to have when you're traveling or when you're working abroad. So just a couple of like logistical notes before we get started. So firstly, I am going to put links to all of the apps that I mentioned here in the show notes. So if there's a particular app that you want to check out, definitely look there and there will be a link to it so that you can find it easily. And then secondly... None of these are like advertisements. I haven't been paid by the creator of any of these apps. These are all just apps that I've used personally. They don't necessarily fall into any particular category. They're just apps that I find that I use most often when I'm traveling and apps that I've had a good experience with and that I would personally recommend for people who are traveling and working and doing the same sorts of things that I have. And then just lastly, like this is definitely not an exhaustive list. This is just a list of things that people might not already be aware of. Obviously, there are some apps that virtually everybody has when they're traveling that I didn't mention here. So for example, most people have some sort of like maps or navigation app, Apple Maps, Google Maps, something like that or most people have some sort of alarm app or most people have some sort of translation app. These are just things that everybody kind of carries with them that are really, really convenient. But I just want to focus on some more niche apps because those are things that people are generally already aware of and that you probably already have on your phone and don't need me to recommend recommend to you if you're already listening to a podcast about backpacking for an extended period of time. So with those things out of the way, let's dive in. So my first app recommendation is called Maps.me. This is not the same as Google Maps or Apple Maps or any sort of standard navigation app. This differs in one key aspect, namely that you don't need cell data in order to use it. So basically, the way this app works is you download it, and then when you go into the app, you can download particular regional maps within the app itself. So, for example, let's say you're going to Beijing, then before you go to Beijing, you would go into this app and you would download the apps for, or or download the maps, sorry for Beijing, and then you would have access to those maps even if you're offline. So this is something that I've found really useful just because whenever you're going to a new place in particular, you don't necessarily always have a SIM card right away, right? And not having to rely so heavily on a SIM card I find is also a really good way to save money just because usually people who are selling SIM cards at the airport know for a fact that you are absolutely desperate to get your hands on a SIM card the moment you get out of the plane, right? So oftentimes they're gonna like charge you really, really high prices for a SIM card. So what I like to do usually is just run past those and then get into the city and look for a SIM card that's actually cheaper and closer to the local market rate in that area. And maps.me really helps with that. It is a completely free app. It's one of the first ones that I started using. And it's just good for finding places and like orienting yourself initially. The other thing obviously that can often happen is sometimes you be in a place where all of a sudden your connection just kind of craps out on you. And when you're in a place that's already completely unfamiliar to you, it's like majorly inconvenient to lose yourself somewhere in a city. Or you might find yourself like the night of your arrival looking for your hotel or maybe even just looking for the SIM card store. So Maps.me, as you can imagine, as an offline Maps app, isn't entirely perfect. In particular, sometimes it will have to think for a minute to figure out where you actually are simply because you're not connected to any sort of cell network. But with that being said, I have found it to be by far the most reliable offline maps app and definitely miles better than just having to look around or trying to, like, navigate on your own. And it does have a lot of, like, the convenient features that come with regular maps apps. So it will have, like, a database of businesses, for example. So if you're going to, like, the Westland Mall or something like that and you type in Westland Mall in Google Maps it will know where that is, right? And it'll know what the address of that business is. And Maps.me doesn't have necessarily every single business. I wouldn't say its database is as extensive as something like Google or Apple, but I definitely have found it to be quite extensive uh, considering the kind of app that it is. The other thing that kind of limits it a little bit is that you do need to download the map before you actually go, on a, go to a particular place. So it's not like you download the app and all of a sudden you have the entire world at your fingertips. So this is like a bit of an inconvenience, but it's actually also a plus because you don't need to use all of that storage space, right? It does use on the order of, I would say like, A couple of hundred megabytes um, per app for like a particular city that you're going to. So you can imagine if you're storing the map for the entire world on your phone, that's going to take up quite a bit of storage space. So it's an inconvenience to not have the entire world on this app already downloaded, but it's also convenient in terms of storage. I think most people have somewhat limited storage on their cell phones and so what you do need to do before you go to a particular place is to download the app is to download the map for that particular city or that particular region it does cover places outside of cities so it's not like if you're going to a place that's like somewhat outside of beijing it's not going to cover that it definitely will but sometimes you'll need to download multiple maps in order to get the entire region so just something to remember if you do plan on using this app if you're sitting at the airport, a good thing to do while you're trying to kill time waiting for your flight to start boarding is to just make sure that you have the map downloaded because the most frustrating thing is getting to the city and realizing, oh crap, I forgot to download the map and this is a weird clunky airport where there's like absolutely no Wi-Fi or anything like that because that you know, defeats the purpose of having the, the Maps app in the first place. So definitely make sure that before you're going on a trip, you have those maps already downloaded so that you can get there and just kind of go ahead and get to where you need to go. The second app recommendation is Sigic Travel. And to the creators of Sijic Travel, um, I'm very sorry if I'm mispronouncing the name of your app, this is my best attempt, but it's spelt S-Y-G-I-C Travel. So they have a free and a premium version. I usually just use the free version. But this is probably one of the most underrated apps that I've ever come across. And to be quite honest, that it was like the main inspiration for this episode. Like half of the reason why I'm doing this episode in the first place is to just promote sejic Travel. And again, this is not an advertisement. This is purely just like my enthusiasm. So sejic Travel is basically something that you can help to... like that allows you to plan out your travels within a particular city. So it has like a database of the different sites that you can see in a particular city. So like, for example, it will have like sites like, you know, churches or like, like monuments or anything like that, museums uh, in a particular city. And you can choose the places that you want to go to. It will also have like a limited database of things like accommodations and restaurants, but you can definitely also like put in the place that you're staying at and it will basically create the most efficient route for you and how you should take that route. So it'll say like, hey, you know, you should go to from your hotel you should walk for 15 minutes and go to this museum and then oh yeah right in the area there's like this statue that you wanted to see and then oh yeah there's this like memorial over here and things like that right so that you're not like running around the city trying to get from one place to the other. And so it automatically looks at things or looks at what's like geographically the closest and will create an order of sites that you want to see in the city that makes the most geographic sense. But that is not all this app does, though I find that that is a brilliant idea. I'm not sure why it is that there aren't more apps like this because it really helps to know what's nearby, right? So like, especially in these places that have like really dense amounts of like sites that tourists want to see oftentimes the different sites will just be like less than a 10 minute walk apart and so to know like oh yeah like this statue is just like you know a five minute walk from where I am right now i better hit that and then you know work on this different area of the city tomorrow that's like really convenient the other thing it'll do for you is tell you like how much time it will take so you can decide like between any two particular sites, you can tell it whether you want to walk or whether you want to drive and it will create time estimates. And you can also tell it things like, you know, how long long of a break you want or like how long you want to spend at a particular site and things like that. I usually like to budget a little bit more time in between, but it will help you to get a sense of how long it's going to take you to see all the things that you want to see in a particular city. And or like if you have a set amount of time that you're going to spend somewhere and like that's your time budget, it will help you to prioritize the things in that city that you want to see the most, right? So for example, you can go to a city and say like, oh, well, you know, these are the 10 sites that I want to see. And well, you know, like I want to walk between these two sites and then take a taxi between these two sites and so on and so forth. And it will say, okay, well, you know, these 10 sites are going to take you a total of like 13 hours or something like that to see. And then it also has a calendar feature. So you can say, okay, well, you know, on Thursday the 17th, I want to go to this place. And then on Friday the 18th, I want to go to like all of these places and so on. So you can definitely also plan like between days. The other thing that this will do is it will show you information about the particular sites that you're going to see. So, for example, like let's say you're going to a particular museum, you can click on that museum and it will tell you everything you need to know. So, usually, it'll link to its official website or the Wikipedia page or things like that. It'll give you like a brief overview of what the significance of that site is so that if you're not sure, whether you want to go see it it will tell you like why it's significant and what the history of it is in like one or two like brief paragraphs and they'll also give you things like for example the opening hours and the admission cost and things like that so like especially if there's like different admission costs depending on what you want to see it will tell you that it will also tell you like whether there's guided tours and like what language what languages those tours are available in and it will sometimes even like link to companies that are like offering tours for those particular sites so that i also find very useful because I'm the kind of person that can sort of like go to Paris without seeing the Eiffel Tower, right? Like I'm just looking for things that are kind of good bang for buck and maybe where I can go on a tour that's like a small group of people, things like that, right? So oftentimes I make decisions not necessarily based on, you know, like this is the major touristy thing in this city and I'm going to see this no matter what, right? Like I would never, ever, ever pay, I think, I think right now it's 30 euros to go up the Eiffel Tower um, and just stand on the tower higher up and take pictures. And like, obviously no judgment whatsoever if you're the kind of person who wants to stand in line for three hours. Wow, this sounds judgmental. Um, No, genuinely no judgment. I think that you know, when you go on a trip, it should be well and truly exactly what you want to do and no more and no less than that. So yeah, like if you, if it's worth it to you to stand in line and then go up the Eiffel Tower and pay 30 euros to do that, probably 40 euros by now since it's 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 been almost 10 years since I went there um, and I made the mistake of going up, um, which is how I know this. But yeah, like if if you're that kind of person, then that's great, but I'm the kind of person who just says, "Okay, well, what are some cheap museums that I can go to?" Because I find that you can when you're when you're going to different places, you can never really know whether it's going to be good or bad until you're there, right? So, for example, in the TV show Friends, there's one episode where one of the characters talks about going to this like antique button museum. And I think that's kind of the perfect example, even though it's made up. Um, Like, a button museum isn't something that would be very appealing to a lot of people. It's a very sort of niche place. But once you're there, it can actually turn out to be, like, really, really interesting. And then on the flip side, a lot of these major sites that people talk about, like, you know, the Eiffel Tower or the London Eye or things like that, can turn out to be the most expensive and tourist-packed bummers ever, right? So... Yeah, like I really like to make decisions just based on like price and what's nearby and things like that. And I really check like checking out things that are particularly niche. Like for example, a button museum, I would actually love to go to a button museum. Um and CGIC Travel just like really helps to figure out like what's around, like what's close by, how how much do things cost, how long are each of these things going to take, right? So the recommended time for one museum might be like an hour, but for another one, it might be like four hours, right? So you can get a good idea of how long the average person typically spends at that particular attraction. So yeah, CIGIC Travel, um, it has more features beyond just that. But if you're looking for an app to help you plan your visit to a particular city. There is no app I can recommend more highly than this. Um, Again, I'm not being paid by the creators of this app. I just like really, really, really love this app and can highly recommend it. The third app recommendation, moving on to the next one. This is one that um, I kind of hesitated to put in here, but frankly, yeah, it is an important one. And that is the local transportation app for wherever you're going. So, usually, like most places in the world will have some sort of equivalent for like Uber. And I try to stay away from Uber in particular just because I've had nothing but bad experiences with them. And I kind of cringe whenever I have to use the Uber app and I only use it like whenever absolutely necessary. But there are ride sharing apps around the world. And the thing to know about this, if you haven't been to like different regions, if you've only really traveled in one region, is that every region has its ride sharing app of choice. So, for example, in Southeast Asia, Grab is the app of choice um, rather than Uber. Like, I, th- I think Uber does exist. I can't remember exactly, but in any case, it's, like, far less widely used than Grab, and every region will have, like, a particular one. So before you go on a trip, definitely, like, look up what the ride-sharing app situation is there, how expensive it is. In some places, it's definitely worth it to just, like, grab a ride-sharing app service every time you need to go somewhere because it's just like really really cheap um and really really easy to to get a ride and in some places it's wildly expensive like for example I went to Amsterdam one time and getting a taxi from the airport to the city is something like 50 euros whereas like taking the train is like 10 euros you know so it really depends on where you're going but At the very least, having it as a backup is really, really, really useful because eventually you will find yourself late for a flight, late for a train, late to get to a particular meeting with somebody, something like that. So, or just in a situation where, you know, maybe you're sketched out or you don't know where you are and you just would really prefer to get back to your accommodation as soon as possible. In that sense, it's also kind of a safety thing. Like I've definitely been in situations, not only, you know, traveling, but, being at home or at least temporary home and, you know, being in a sketchy situation and just, you know, grabbing a ride sharing service and going back home, right? Uh, Nothing wrong with that. The one thing I will note here is before you go, do make sure that you've set up like the payment method and stuff like that in advance because I've definitely like, stood on a street corner in the rain trying to put in my different credit cards to see which one is going to work. Oftentimes, like, they won't accept particular credit cards or, like, they will only accept, like, Google Pay or just something weird like that. I'm not sure what it is about ride sharing services that makes them a little bit more picky about what methods of payment they accept. I've also found that sometimes just at random, they'll just, like, not accept your card without any explanation whatsoever. And that's compounded by the fact that while these ride-sharing apps are really, really useful, a lot of them in particular regions, I found especially in Central Asia, won't actually be in English, which surprisingly doesn't make them impossible to navigate. Like, but most of them have a pretty standards set up and you can pretty much figure out like, okay, well, you know, this is where the nearest car is and this is how much it costs and so on and so forth. But be aware that some of these like sometimes the main ride sharing app in a particular area will not have an app that is in English. So you will be trying to read a different language and sometimes in a completely different alphabet from the one that you're familiar with. So definitely setting up the app in advance, setting up the method of payment in advance, and then you're good to go and you don't need to stress when you're standing somewhere and you were relying on a ride sharing app to get you back, but all of a sudden it doesn't work. The fourth recommendation is a bit of a niche one, and it is called Too Good To Go. This is not explicitly a travel app, but nevertheless something that I often use. It's primarily in use in Europe and North America. I've never tried using it anywhere else, but it's not available worldwide. But definitely a useful one for me, regardless, and one that I keep on my phone all the time. So the The general idea behind Too Good to Go is that when a restaurant or other food-related business, like a bakery or something, has leftover food at the end of the day that they need to get rid of, they will put bundles of food on the Too Good to Go app. And you can purchase these bundles of food at a discount. So I think in theory, it's supposed to be like a quarter of the original price. Realistically, it's probably like maybe like a third to half of the original price, depending on which business you're looking at. But I would say like anywhere from like four to eight US dollars is usually the size of the bundle. And you can book a particular bundle and select a time, usually close to the end of the day for that business, like close to its closing hours. And you'll usually have a window between like an hour and three hours to go to that business and get your bundle. And the reason why I find this really useful is because as you'll know, if you've traveled for an extended period of time, Cooking is kind of a headache, even under the best of circumstances. Sometimes you will have like a kitchen and stuff, but nevertheless, like whenever you can get restaurant food for like really, really cheap prices, it is really convenient to have that, especially in areas of the world where food is already more expensive and definitely Europe and North America check out more than any other place. So... Sometimes, for example, like let's say you're going to a bakery, they'll just give you like two boxes worth of like sandwiches and pastries and stuff like that that they weren't able to sell. Or if you're going to a pizza shop, like I've paid like eight dollars and had, had them hand me like two boxes worth of pizza. And like they're just like slices that they have left of like different kinds of pizza. They throw them in the boxes and they give you the pizza. So this also is not exclusive to traveling. Like if you're just like based somewhere permanently and you want to save a bit of money on takeout food, this is just like a really good money-saving and time-saving app to have, but definitely, yeah, when you're traveling. So Too Good to Go, again, something that I would recommend probably like downloading in advance just to get a feel for how it works, but something that I've found to save me a lot of money and time, and not only that, but you don't need to look for food three times a day. Because they'll typically give you, like, a pretty generous amount. Like, they're not going to give you, like, one sandwich. Like, they're probably going to give you, like a, you know, like, a couple of boxes worth of food. Um, they also have a rating system. So, typically, the ones that are rated higher, obviously, are the ones that are best value for money. Because people almost exclusively rate based on that. So, if you just, like, look for the ones with the higher ratings, those are the ones that are just generally going to give you the best bang for buck. So Too Good To Go can also recommend that. The fifth recommendation, halfway through, I have is Adobe Scan or some sort of similar scanning software. Again, not explicitly a travel app, but one that I found myself using quite heavily when traveling. So basically, the idea of this is in the name. It's essentially a scanner that is on your phone. So whether it be like your birth certificate or your passport or like immigration documents or anything like that that you need to have with you, um, this is an app that will allow you to basically take a piece of paper, sign it, do whatever you need to do, and then scan it. And it's different from a photo. So it actually will take like proper scans of your documents rather than just like, yeah, here's a photo of my like crumpled up piece of paper. Will you accept this? Like it does actually look like a proper scan. So if you need to submit a document or you want to have a backup of something just in case, this is a really, really useful app to have. Again, Adobe is not the only one. There are also other scanning apps, but Adobe is just the one that I've found to be particularly useful. It's the one that Um, I find is like the most flexible and that I use the most. So Adobe will let you export the scans you've taken. You can either like create a direct link to them or you can email them to yourself or, you, you know, there's like a couple of other download options. And I think that like whenever you're traveling, it's just a good idea to have certain documents backed up on your phone. Definitely. If you lose your passport, having a, Backup of your passport in the form of a digital scan will massively help your country's consulate help you get a new passport. Or even sometimes, you know, if you like lose your visa and you need a new copy of your visa, hope that never happens to you or anything like that. Just having a scan of that document will sometimes get you through. And in some particular cases, like definitely not in the case of a passport, like please do not try to board an international flight with just a scan of your passport they will not let you on the flight, but for other things, sometimes they'll just let it slide if you just have a scan of it. So for example, I use student ID a lot in order to get discounts on stuff like that stuff and things like that. So when you're at a particular business and you've forgotten your student ID, just like having a scan of it is usually enough for businesses to accept it and to give you the discount, depending on who's at the counter. Um, but yeah, Adobe Scan definitely convenient thing to have, even if you're just trying to kind of minimize your paper trail and sort of digitize some of your old tax documents and things like that outside of the context of traveling. This is a really, really handy app to have. And again, something that is completely free. The sixth recommendation goes back to transportation, and that is Blablacar. So Blablacar is something that most Europeans will be aware of and I imagine will be pretty big fans of. So Blablacar, you can think of it as long-distance Uber. And again, it's used particularly in Europe. So basically, if somebody is taking a trip from one city to the next, they can put their trip on BlaBlaCar if they have an extra seat or several extra seats in their vehicle, and they will offer that seat to you for a particular price. And usually people just do this because they want to cut down on expenses like gas and things like that. So basically, you purchase the ride from them at whatever price they're charging, and then you arrange with them to be picked up somewhere in the morning and then you guys go from city a to city b and this is like a completely private person in their private vehicle and then they drop you off wherever you want to be dropped off or like usually they'll specify an area where they're okay with dropping you off and that's pretty much it so yeah like very similar to uber except between cities and I found this to be really useful for a few reasons. So firstly, budget, um, especially if you're traveling in a, more, in, a, in a more expensive place. Oftentimes, this will be a relatively cheap transportation option, especially if you don't want to take a really, really long and complicated route. So sometimes you'll be finding yourself stuck between like, oh, well, you know, like I could fly, but that's going to cost me like $400 last minute. Or also, I could like take the bus, but also, buses are like very long and very painful. And also, I have to transfer from one bus to the next here, and it's going to take me like 15 hours to get there. And, you know, like even a single hour on a bus is not a pleasant experience, right? So, oftentimes, I find this by far exceeds the bang for buck value of any other method of transportation, especially if unfortunately the trains are expensive that day, and especially last minute. Because a lot of drivers do post their rides last minute. So kind of that like last minute increase in fares isn't as applicable for Blah Blah Car. And I'm the kind of person who just kind of wakes up in the morning sometimes and says, okay, well, I'm getting a bit tired of this place. So I'm just going to go somewhere else now. Which kind of bites me in the butt sometimes in terms of my budget. Because, you know, last minute train fares like... Sometimes there will be a route that normally costs 50 euros, but if you're wanting to travel like a day of or the next day, it's going to be more like 250 euros. So blah, blah, car is really good way to avoid that. The other thing is just like, it's more comfortable and comfortable depends on the person. Like, you know, some people are ridiculously uncomfortable sitting in a stranger with their car. And because this is a private individual, you know, their driving habits aren't always perfect. Um, And that's not something that you, like, like, sometimes people just, like, aren't comfortable with that arrangement, right? And that's, like, totally fair. But I personally am comfortable with it. I've never had an experience where a driver has been uncomfortable or anything like that. Usually, like, the cars are very clean, the people are very friendly, and it's, you know it's like fast, it's convenient. It's much more comfortable than sitting on a bus. And if that person is open to chatting, I also really like to talk to them and just kind of you know have a casual conversation. And sometimes you can get into a really interesting discussion with them. Um, so definitely like kind of on the more adventurous side in terms of transportation arrangements, but something that I really, really love. I've already mentioned in a previous episode that I really like taking the train, but next to the train, this is definitely my number one preferred transportation alternative. So blah, blah, car. Definitely recommend checking that out. Number seven, I hope. I think we're on number seven. I hope we're on number seven, but I should have numbered these in advance. But number seven is a bit of a meta recommendation and maybe not one that needs to be made to this particular audience, but it is a podcast app. So podcasts are, I think, like the best form of entertainment that you would have with you on your phone for a few reasons. So first of all, because some people have very limited data storage on their phone, podcasts are a really good way to have like many, many, many hours of entertainment on your phone because they don't take up as much storage space because video obviously takes up a lot more space than audio does. I also think, like, depending on your mode of transportation, podcasts are, like, a lot easier to listen to than, like, some other form of entertainment, right? And they can definitely, I find, capture your attention for, like, a much longer period of time. If you're currently traveling from one city to the next listening to this podcast, then I'm so proud. Hi! Um, have a good trip. So yeah, like podcasts definitely are like a really, really convenient way to keep yourself entertained on these long trips in a blah, blah, car or a train or a bus. I also think they're just like really accessible to travelers because they are free and because also they do drain your battery a lot less. So you'll notice that if you download TV shows to watch on your phone or on your computer during like a flight or something like that, you'll notice that your battery is usually gone in like 10 seconds. And I really like to preserve my battery. I even keep with me like one of those external charging devices uh, just in case something goes wrong. Because oftentimes what happens when you get to your destination is like a really big question mark. Like all you know is that, yeah, you'll be arriving at the Warsaw bus station, but you don't really know what awaits you there. And kind of like your arrangements to get from the bus station to the accommodation are a bit like iffy. Definitely like, you know, do look it up ideally. But if you're as spontaneous as I am, sometimes you're just like on a bus and wondering, hmm, I wonder what's going to happen when I get there late at night, right? So definitely, like, if, you know, you want to preserve your battery, then podcasts are a really good way to do that just because they're audio. You don't have to wear out your battery by, like, having your screen on all the time. And, yeah, like, hours and hours of free entertainment, informative entertainment that can also kind of keep you a little bit in the loop and kind of keep you grounded. I also think that having podcasts that you listen to on a regular basis and you know this also goes to an extent for like TV shows and stuff like that is just a really good way to have like a routine whether it's like a morning routine or a travel routine or anything like that just kind of having something that you listen to on a regular basis is a really good way to kind of ground you and sort of like bring you back to your home base right And this is just kind of something that has this sort of soft emotional quality to it. But when your environment is changing all the time, a lot of times you'll just like crave the familiarity of just like the comforts that you're used to, right? Like a particular TV show or a particular food or a particular place or person or something like that. And I find like, I probably have about like, I would say like 10, 15 podcasts that are really, that really make up the core of of what I listen to. And just to kind of have those to refer back to and kind of have that sort of like consistent and familiar thing um, I find is like really valuable. And again, like podcasts are completely free, right? Like most podcasts, like even the ones that have some sort of like like paid tier or something like that, they'll also offer a lot of really high quality free content because that's how they get you to pay for them in the first place, right? So the, you know, worst case scenario, you download the podcast app, you start listening to some podcasts and decide that, you know, this format of information is just not for you, Uh, but definitely a very low risk thing to try out and good for like really, really, really long trips, like long, painful bus rides and things like that. The eighth app, or rather category of apps in this particular case, is money apps. And I'm going to break this down into kind of two subsets, the first of which is relatively self-explanatory, and that is like banking apps. So definitely have at least one online banking app. I know some people don't like using apps for online banking, and that's completely fair enough. But... If you're in a pinch, then it's always extremely valuable to have money that's available to you, right? Like if you lose your wallet and you need to send yourself money, or if for some reason like your credit card got declined and all of a sudden you need to pay off another card in order to be able to use it, or whatever your situation is, having access to your bank accounts is just completely invaluable and just, you know, a common sense thing to have. The other thing though is having some sort of money transfer app. So a lot of people really like Wise, and this is just something that I'm getting into, so I'll talk a little bit more about this in a future episode. But Wise is essentially an app that allows you to convert money between different currencies at like a really really low exchange rate. So as you might know, using a debit card while traveling is absolutely fatal because a lot of debit cards will just kind of charge you ridiculous fees in order to be able to pay in foreign currencies. So the first debit card I had, and like the first time I went on an international trip, I had not turned 18 yet. So I actually was not even eligible to have a credit card. And so every single time I wanted to make a payment, I had to use a debit card unless I had the cash on me. So I would have to go to the bank and make a cash withdrawal, which in and of itself had a fee associated with it, unless I went to this very particular partner bank that was partnered with my bank that would be willing to waive the fees and, of course, was all the way across town. But if I didn't want to pay with, or if I didn't have any cash to pay with and I needed to pay for something, it would be $5 per transaction to pay in a foreign currency. Credit cards are a little bit better. Um, definitely is like a side recommendation. There are credit cards that have very low or no foreign exchange fees, like ones that will ch- will charge you the market rate without with no markups. But a lot of credit cards will have pretty substantial markups when you're going from one currency to another. So regardless of the particular app that you're using, definitely find one that you feel has a really, really low or, or at least an acceptable to you currency exchange rate. And don't use a credit card that you have that you know has like a really, really bad exchange rate. Because this is one of those things where like one or 2% might not seem like a lot. And it's not a lot if you're buying like a burger one time. But if you're making every single transaction every single day of your life, then that really adds up, right? Like that is like one or 2% of all of the money to your name. And that's quite a bit of money. And then along those same lines, also money transfer apps. In particular, Western Union is a really good one that I use. So in some countries, it's either really impractical or in some cases, even impossible to use your credit cards. So if you have like an Amex card or if you have a MasterCard or in rare cases, even a Visa card, you won't be able to use your credit cards in particular countries. So look at the country that you're going to first and make sure that you know which credit cards they accept. But also in countries that do accept those credit cards, sometimes there will be weird economic situations that make it more practical to use cash. And a good example of this that you're probably already thinking about if you've experienced this is Argentina. So, Argentina has an official exchange rate and an unofficial exchange rate. And if you're paying with your card at the official exchange rate, you're actually paying substantially more. Um in some cases you can be paying up to double. So, while it's something that, you know, you might need to use in a pinch if something has happened to you or you need to use it on your day of arrival, then, you know, that's completely fair enough, but Staying there long-term, you are going to want to periodically transfer yourself money. And so the way Western Union works is basically you download the app, you link it to your home bank account, and then you say, you know, like, I want to transfer this much money in my home currency. And it usually charges you a fee of something like $5. And then you go to the Western Union that is closest to you, and you give them a piece of your ID and the transfer number. Like you'll have a particular number that's associated with that that transaction. So you take your phone with you and show that to them and they'll take that and they'll give you your money. And this is a little bit inconvenient, but it's far less inconvenient than having to pay a significant markup on every single thing that you buy in that country. How much cash you want to carry around with you at a time is really up to you. But again, Western Union charges like something like $5, depending on on the amount that you're sending yourself and other things. But yeah, like definitely much, much cheaper than having to pay a substantial markup in countries where that is the case. So definitely, you know, if you're going to a country like that, then check out Western Union or some other comparable app so that you can send yourself cash at like a relatively reasonable rate. Other things that you don't want to do just while we're on this topic, don't use your credit card to take out money. Um, This is, in most cases, going to be an automatic cash advance, which will automatically charge you interest. So if you go use a credit card at an ATM, there's a good chance you'll be able to take out money. But again, you won't necessarily get the most preferable exchange rate and or you will immediately be charged interest by your bank and your credit score is also going to take a hit. So don't do that. And then also, if you do have a debit card, just be cognizant of which banks you're using to take out money and which banks your own home bank is partnered with that will allow you to take out money at no additional fees. So before you go to a particular place, always make sure that you know what the currency exchange situation is in that particular place, especially if it's not a destination you're particularly familiar with, and make sure that you're getting yourself the best exchange rate possible because Yeah, like there's nothing better you can do than to just preserve the amount of money that you have and make sure that there's not somebody slicing a percentage off of everything that you're purchasing. The ninth recommendation is Focus Keeper. So again, not explicitly a travel app, but something that I've used a lot in particular to work away from home And in particular, in environments where it's a little bit difficult to concentrate. So Focus Keeper essentially relies on the Pomodoro technique, which if you're not familiar with it, basically breaks your work time into small sections, usually by default of 20 minutes, with the idea being that it motivates you to work when you know that it's just like a small chunk of work. And then you'll have like a break relatively like in relatively short order, like after those 20 minutes. So there's this saying that, said, that that goes like, oh yeah, like once you start, you're half done, right? And the idea behind that is that when you have work that you want to do, then oftentimes like the most difficult part is convincing yourself to stop procrastinating and actually start working. And that effect is definitely compounded when you're sitting on like a beach in this gorgeous place, but oh no, you need to do some work, Right. And so that I I found that in particular in like unfamiliar environments, being able to break down my work time into these like nice short 20 minute segments is really, really convenient, especially like when your schedule is like a little bit unpredictable. So basically it's a timer and you just like press start whenever you're ready to start. And you can customize the cu- customize the amounts of work time and break time that you want to take, and then you can specify the amount of time within your entire work session. So, for example, you can say like, "Oh, well, you know, I want to do twenty-minute work periods." It, and have five minute breaks in between for a total of three hours or something like that. And basically you start and then it rings a bell when your 20 minutes are over and tells you to take a break. And then after your break time is over, it tells you to come back and keep working. So, definitely like a really simple concept for an app. I'm pretty sure Focus Keeper, the particular app that I use, does charge an annual fee, but it's like really, really low. Like, it's like less than a dollar per month. But regardless, there are like plenty of Pomodoro style apps that are on, on the App Store if you want one that's free. They all basically work the same way. I just like the user interface of this particular one. Again, this is not an advertisement, this is really just what I'm familiar with. Um so yeah like that's just the one that I prefer. I don't mind paying like the 6 dollars or whatever it costs per year and definitely like doubles my productivity easily. Like I have a very very difficult time just sitting down and saying, "Oh, well, like I'm going to do 3 hours of work now," especially like in an unfamiliar environment that's like really stimulating where you see the beach and think, oh, I really wanna to go to the beach, right? So it's something that's just like really handy, both when you're traveling and when you're not traveling to help you focus. And then the 10th and final recommendation is a wallet app, in my particular case, Apple Wallet. So this is maybe not the sexiest of recommendations, but it is something that I found to be really important to have. And I actually didn't use it for like the first few trips that I took just because I found it to be like very redundant. Like why would I want to have a digital credit card when my credit card is right here in my phone case, right? Right. But I think that this is a good all-around backup to have because it's not just a place like to put cards, which is helpful in and of itself. Like if you lose your credit card, then you can basically just like tap your phone and use it as a card. Um, Be aware that there is limited capacity to that when you are in, in a different country. And sometimes either like your banks will lock your cards if you don't use the physical card for long enough, or sometimes there's a limit to how much you can tap your card. But it's definitely a good backup to have in case you do lose your wallet and also just keeping your phone and wallet separated is always a good idea. But this is also a backup for other things. So for example, you can have a rewards card in it if you have any like rewards cards that you use, particularly things like airline rewards cards and things like that. But it's also a place where you can put boarding passes. So if you check in online, which you probably have if you've taken like budget flights, it will always give you several options as to what format you want to have your boarding cards in. I usually choose two different formats. I choose the email and then I choose the boarding boarding pass that goes into the Apple wallet. And even if you plan to print out your boarding pass or even if you plan to use the one that you get by email, just having a digital one there in in your digital wallet is a really really good thing to have because you know very hard to board your flight if you don't have a boarding pass. And then you can even have, so for example, during the pandemic, it was possible to, depending on what country you're from, it was often possible to put your vaccine pass in there. So you have your vaccine pass, and sometimes it's even possible to have um, immigration documents and things like that. So definitely a good thing to have just as an all-around backup and not something that's like just to have your credit cards in a different format but also like other travel related documents it's kind of a one stop shop for digital backup so regardless of whether you use apple wallet or um a different type of wallet i think definitely a good thing to have and also just again a completely free thing to have right so not a huge downside to trying it um if that's something that you're interested in and if you kind of want to have like a backup for all of your things. So that's it for today. I hope that at least one or two of those recommendations were helpful to you. And again, wherever possible, I will link to the apps that I mentioned or some examples of the categories of apps that I mentioned in the show notes that you guys can take a look and see if that particular app is one that you're interested in.